welcome you and those that are watching online and uh, we're just so grateful for what God is doing in this hour how many of you have a sense of expectancy of who he is you know he is the great I am he's not I was or I'm going to be or I will be if you get your act together he is God he is I am I am he's not going to change and uh, so we're grateful I I mentioned from time to time what's happening in Uganda, and um, but a lot of times when they send me the report, just be honest, I just glance over it. I don't really, I don't know. I, but anyway, last last night I looked at it a little bit closer, and um, I'm just telling you, if, according to these reports, revival has broken out. In Africa, and it's not just Uganda, it's Tanzania, Kenya, the Congo, and uh, what's the other country? Rwanda, Rwanda. Remember Hotel Rwanda. And they're sending the most amazing, incredible. I had one guy text me this week. I didn't text me, he just sent me a message. He was a pastor from the Congo. And he said he was listening to Grace Radio, and we have this weekly program we're doing. And he said that it was so simple, but he just began to weep, began to cry. And there's so all the, I see why they're crying. It's just a mighty move of God. Many Muslims are coming to Jesus. Here's one guy who was chased out of his home because he accepted Christ. Because he obviously from a Mormon household, but he, a Muslim, Muslim. Forgive me. Maybe they're being saved too, but um, anyway, his parents, he, it got messed up. His parents got saved, and then so he, they invited him back home. Here's a guy, 15 years in darkness, depression, you know, and he said, listening to the program, the power of God came, broke off the depression. A Muslim gentleman got healed of COVID-19. He said by accident he was listening to Grace Radio. He heard us preaching, praying, and he said he immediately felt a change. So he felt he he decided to give his life to Jesus. A Muslim man had a brain tumor. As we were praying, he felt something strange happen. The tumor burst. Pus began to come out. Anyway, I'm just telling you. And the doctors said... Anyway, he got healed, a Muslim lady, for the past six years. Goes on and on. Another Muslim man gave his life to Jesus. A Muslim lady is another one. And on and on. Here's Peter, tormented by demons. He had bad dreams. He even had a... He did not have one single coin to sustain his family. And, uh, but he obviously got delivered. One lady says she's praying that God would provide. It must have said something in the prayer. I don't know, but uh, she said all of a sudden somebody shows up at their door with food. I mean, these are things I never heard of. And they go on and on and on and on and on and on. I need to probably pay more attention. (laughs) But anyway, you know, you just, I'm just amazed 
as to what God is doing right now. And um, if you don't know about it, we just have a weekly program. I don't even know how exactly started. It was what's going on about eight, nine months now, uh, where we do an hour of just preach the gospel and pray for people. But you know, what you don't know, three years ago, Benny Hinn was in Uganda. And he prophesied that a major move of the Spirit was coming, sweeping over Uganda in three years. That was three years ago. We're three years now from that uh, prophetic word. And so anyway, I'm just getting in on it, but I'm telling you, if God can do it in Africa, He can do it in America. And uh, we just have to have great expectancy and... And you don't even have to know what you're doing. It's probably a good thing. You know, I, um, I first I thought it was just one of those, you know, ways to get support, get money. And uh, so, but anyway, it's just been going on now for nine months. And, and I'm just so excited. I tell Shirley, it's really amazing. You know, I, I just preach on the radio. I preach on my computer. And sometimes it even goes out because, you know, it's a Zoom, but they're on radio live, and it goes, and it's on the Internet, so it goes all over that part of Africa. And sometimes it, it, it breaks up. And so I'll say something, and then I won't hear her say anything, interpret for a while. And so what do you do? You just pick up where you left off, and uh, you wait a few minutes. But, you know, none of those things seem to matter to God. They don't mess God up at all. They're not messing the Holy Spirit up. So anyway, I have great expectancy. It's a wonderful time to be alive. It's a wonderful time to, um, to be doing God's will. That's what we're going to talk about. I, what I need, though, I wanted to mention, I need somebody to help me where I can forward all of these testimonies and uh, also the prayer requests that come in. I need somebody to form a little intercessory team and pray over the needs that come in because there are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of needs and the harvest and pray for the believers. Uh, they've just an amazing amount of people calling in to give their life to Jesus. And so I need help and uh, just need help. We need to start doing some online things to new believers. And uh, they've asked me to do pastors conferences, pastors. All of a sudden their churches are filling up. And it's just, I'm, I just read these things and I say, God, I'm just, I'm just in the woods. I'm just in the woods preaching on, a, on my iPad. And the Holy Spirit is moving in nations. And, um, and I'm not going to get cocky. I, I'm not, so that's why I don't read a lot. Of, but after I read it, I say, God, there's no way to get cocky. Ain't no way anybody can do this but you. You know, it's just the way it is. And um, Now, you know, Friday night was amazing. We just talking about the Scripture. Remember in Luke chapter 5 where, you know, they were trying to get um, this man, their friend, to Jesus. And their place was so crowded they couldn't get in the door, couldn't find room. So they went up, you know, on the roof and they opened up the, te- the ceiling, the tile, and uh, lowered him down. And uh, it said in that scripture that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And I believe that that's where we are entering right now. The power of the Lord is present to heal. 
If you look that up, it really means the power of the Lord was with the Lord. That's a strange way to put it, but that's the way it is. And the same power that was with the Lord is with us. And anyway, uh, you know, they were asking at another time, you know, Jesus, well, who sinned? This man or did his parents? Is this some generational? And Jesus said, neither one. He said, this happened so that the works of God would be revealed. Remember that? The works of God would be revealed. And I'm just telling you, we, there's a divine setup right now in America. We shared a little bit on Friday night of these brave, and we must pray for them. Those that are standing up in this hour, you know, they, they, they are, they're silenced pretty quickly. But there are three medical doctors that are testifying before the Senate. It's not an, an actual Senate hearing yet. It's an investigative committee. And these brave physicians are coming forward and telling the public, although the media has nothing to do with it, but, uh, but we will. And so they're telling the public what's happening just to the military. And it is shocking and to understand the statistics and um, how many, the percentage of what's happening of, uh, in medical issues, the neurological disorders, the blood clots. And it's just in the last year. And it, you don't have to have much discernment to know why all this is happening. So anyway, I was thinking about all this, saying, well, Lord, what are you going to do about it? And... Uh, because when a military comes under the gun and they begin to wipe them out, that's not good for the nation whose military that belongs to. But anyway, I just feel like the Lord said, this is the time where things are going to happen, strange things are going to happen. And there are going to be opportunities for the works of God to be revealed. So let's get ready. I've never seen... I, Never in the history of, I'm just, you can say I'm over, this has never happened in the history of humanity. Never. Ever in history. You, you, you show me in the history books where what is happening right now has hap- happened before. Never. Never. And guess what? You and I are here in the midst of it. So either God made a big mistake by putting you and me here, or he knew exactly what he was doing. My faith is that he knows exactly what he's doing. And, uh, what, you know, I, I put it this way. You know, Revelation said you should come out from among them lest you share in their plagues. Well, we've, we've had a vote, and we're not going to share in their plagues. You can share in their plagues if you want to. You can do it all you want. But we're going after those that somehow got caught up in all of this. And God wants to heal them. And God wants to reverse what men have done. So that the works of God would be revealed. What a setup. There's probably never been a setup like this. So all we have to do is believe God. And we're not going to condemn people. They're going to come and be healed in the name of Jesus. I rem- you know, we were looking at that Friday night. And in that one of those texts on healing, 
It says strange things were happening. And I looked up the word strange. And you know, we found out in the Greek it means paradoxus. It's a paradox. In other words, what should be happening, the opposite is happening. When Jesus shows up, when death is the sentence, life breaks out. When hopelessness is the end, you know, that's, that's what's going on. Hope walks in the room. And everything changes. So I'm embracing the hour. And um, I'm, I'm just excited. So you guys are going to be excited. If you come here, you're going to be excited. If you, if you are depressed, you know, we're not going to let it. You're not going to let you stay there. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, revival is breaking out in about five nations that we know of in Africa. If God can do that from this place, or from my back porch, God can do it in America again. And I'm going to believe Him. And you don't have to be very fancy. You don't have to... All you got to do is please God. You gave us the... Ant- Whoever pleases God. That's faith. Faith is pleasing God. You don't want to please men. You seek to please men. Please men. You're going to, you know, it ain't going to work. Number one, you won't please man. And then you're definitely not going to please God, so you're just unpleasable. Un, un, you know, just, you know what I mean? What's the, what do you do? Okay, now that's enough rambling. Say that's enough rambling. I want you to go to Luke chapter 12. I have something I want to share with you this morning. And um, Lord, help me get it out. Just so you know, I'm, I'm looking for strange things. I'm looking for paradoxes to break out in this place. It's a paradox. Things that shouldn't be happening are happening. There's no way that's supposed to happen. Well, it is. And so anyway, look with me in Luke chapter 12. And um, maybe we should pray before I read so we can get back on course. Okay, guys? Lord, help. Thank you. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 12. And, you know, now the context, I'm going to back up just a little, where he's saying to his disciples, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, your body, what you're going to wear. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, he's not saying don't make some preparation. He's just saying don't worry. Don't be anxious. Because if God can take care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, then why are you anxious? And he says in verse 31, and and Shirley was referring to this, but seek first the kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things are going to be added. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you what? To give you the kingdom. God's going to give you the kingdom. Do you think there's going to be any lack in the kingdom? There's not. And, um, you know, the Bible says those who have, more will be given. Those who don't have, even what they have will be taken from them. And so he's speaking about, I believe, if we have the kingdom, you're never going to run out. Because God is going to show himself faithful. And then look in verse 35, and I just want to begin reading because verse 34 ends up where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we want to make sure 
and whatever we're preparing, that we're laying up treasures in heaven. And uh, where the moth can't come in and, and the rust and destroy. Now, verse 35, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have to sit down to eat and will come and serve them. I look down at verse uh, 40. Therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has but if he says, he's my master's delayed, look in verse 46, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him, and at an hour when he's not aware, and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes." But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Now, here's what we want to do this morning. I'm going to come back and, and look at some things out of that text. And it's the words of Jesus. But this is actually part three of a series that we've been on called The Coming. And I want to go back and review some things, so if you hear something twice, it's okay, but some may hear this for the first time. But I've always felt like, and I look back over these 35-plus years of preaching, and it's in the places that I've been, it's like the messages build on, on one another. And there's something that the Lord is saying. And He always, as I think back, He always is speaking to what he's doing wherever he sent me. Because he made me a promise. He said, I will never send you except where I myself am going. So he went first, prepared the way, and then he just used, you know, a guy from the bayou, you know, just, he just chooses to use people. He confounds the wise by using the foolish. And I'm okay to be among that second crowd. Because God gets all the glory, gets all the honor that way. But So I want to review some things and uh, just catch us up. Because it may be your first time to hear some, and it'll all fit together. And then we'll get back to what uh, Jesus said in this text. But the part one, we were talking about how the Scripture presents the coming of the Lord. Different ways that it's presented in the Scripture. And the first one was in regard to the advent, or when the Lord came, when... You know, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. You know, the Son of God, Jesus, came. He was sent from the Father to die, and we know that's why we celebrate, you know, during the month of December. 
And to many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become the sons of God. And then another way that in the Bible the coming is presented is when there's an introduction of the gospel into a certain region of the world where the gospel had not gone before. And I so appreciated last week getting to meet Paul, Paul Rock, and he's the one that made the notes but he's going to come back. And uh, anyway, his wife was from Ecuador. Did you catch that? And we were talking to her at lunch and um, during one of the meetings, after one of the meetings. But she was, we asked her, did you know, you know, Elizabeth Elliot and John Elliot and the story, you know, that happened? And yes, she was very familiar. She knew exactly where it took place. And uh, it was an amazing thing. Remember, Peter Fleming, 27 years old, 28-year-old Jim Elliott and Ed McCulley, 31-year-old Roger Yoderan, and then 32-year-old Nate Saint. These five young men went to Ecuador to bring the gospel to those that had never heard the gospel. All of them lost their lives. Remember, they were murdered. After that, Elizabeth Elliott, Jim Elliott's wife, went to Ecuador, led the very man that murdered her husband to Jesus. Led him to Jesus. And it's when the gospel comes in. And if I remember the story, didn't the whole tribe come to the Lord? Like the whole tribe came to Jesus. And then another way that the coming is presented is when there's an establishment, a visible establishment that you know the kingdom of God has come. You know the kingdom is at hand. When things happen that are unexplainable, and like we said Friday night, when there's a paradox, when something dictates that something should happen, but just the opposite happens because the king walked in. And that's what we're looking for. And then the coming has to do when there's the release of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you... If we needed anything in this hour, it is a, we need the places where we gather all over the world to be shaken again with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the heavens to erupt with the power of God. And I believe God wants to do that. And He is doing that. And I'm seeing it. I'm a part of a great move of the Holy Spirit. As the internet, over the internet, the nets are being cast God is an amazing God. That's how this last day message is being preached all over the world as a witness. It's over the internet. That's why I know they're not going to shut down the internet till God is finished what he's begun. It ain't going to happen. They tell me they're going to turn the lights off. You ain't going to turn the... I'm telling you, I got a power source you know not of. And that God, the gospel is going to be preached. I am so convinced of that. I don't, I'll go in my dream and show up and I don't care. God's going to get the word of the Lord out in this hour. It's happening. You're not going to slow us down. And then, you know, there's the other aspect is when there's the executing of the judgments of God. That's the, that is the sign of his coming. When he comes in his judgments, and I'll talk about that because that was part two. And then there's 
you know, this coming on the last day. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin for salvation. And then the second part was focusing specifically on the judgments. Let me just quickly remind you. There was, number one, the judgment on those who stand in places like this or who teach You let not many of you be teachers because with that anointing, with that responsibility will come a greater judgment. How many of you remember that? I got a new uh, phone. Sometimes it takes me a while to do these things. Shirley been telling me for years you should get a new phone. It was old. I figure it still works. Why should I get a new one? Because I don't know what they're putting on all these new And when I got a new one, I looked at the terms and conditions. If I had read the terms and conditions, I would still be reading them right now. You're just going to have to trust. But anyway, I, I met a guy. No, a guy showed up here one Sunday. He said, you know, I'm the kind of person that reads the terms and conditions. You remember that? He said, if you read the terms and conditions, you might not totally agree at the bottom. I remember him saying that. He said you wouldn't agree, to be honest with you. So anyway, I, you, need, you need to read the terms and conditions if you're going to be a preacher or a teacher of the Word of God. Because with that will come a stricter judgment. And uh, to much is given, much is required. It's Scripture. And then we're going to be judged, remember we talked about, for our idle words. Injurious words that hurt, that tear down, that seek to destroy, unprofitable. And you know, in this hour, we need to be swift to hear and slow to speak because you're going to be held accountable for every idle word that comes out of your mouth in the day of judgment. Did you know that? And then there's, you know, we looked at how the judgments of God were foundational. You remember in Hebrews chapter 6, Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, and eternal judgment. And uh, that it's a foundational principle. And then it also speaks of an eternal reality. There's the eternity, eternal aspect of judgment. Daniel chapter 12, as many of those who sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And you know, eternity awaits everyone that's ever lived on planet earth. Some will be raised up for eternal life, and others, they will be raised up to live eternity separated from God, eternal shame and contempt. You know, modern-day Christianity has omitted the subject of hell. Have you noticed Charismatic circles, you never hear the great prophets of today refer to hell. And I always wonder about that because Jesus spoke about it. And there are many people that don't believe in hell anymore. My own opinion is that there are many all throughout history that did not believe in hell. But today they believe in hell. I remember Jesus in Luke 16 talks about the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man. You know, he's, he's pleading, please let me go back 
I've got to warn my five brothers to, that they don't want to come to this place of torment. And anyway, it's, it's in the Scripture. And then there's the judgment or the vengeance on evil deeds. And it says in Psalm 99, you are the God who forgives, but you take vengeance on their evil deeds. And then we looked at, what was this, I, somewhere about a month ago, that Scripture just leapt out. And it, it's out of Isaiah. It says, for the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. And we looked at that in that a day of vengeance is a whole lot shorter than a, the year of the redeemed. And God's heart is redemption. But there will come a day of judgment. It's going to happen. I don't care if you don't believe it or not. God's word is going to be what, in the end, at the, when it's all settled and done, God's word will remain, not your opinion. And then there will be uh, the premature judgment. You know, you don't want to judge some things too quickly. Because your judgment's probably not going to be that accurate compared to God's. When God brings things out of the secret and out of the dark and exposes them. Now, there's some things we need to be swift to judge. Judge prophecy, for example. We don't even judge. What do we do? We just accept their word as the word of the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. You must test the spirits to see if they are of God or not. And that we should, you know, judge people by their fruit. Let me see the fruit. You boast in these great things. Let me see the fruit in your life. You will know them by their fruit. And, you know, you need to judge what's right and what's wrong. The world tells you don't do that. Let everybody decide for their own. That's not what the Bible says. You need to lift the standard. No, this is right and this is wrong. This is righteous. This is wicked. Period. Is that because you've decided? No, it's what God said, what God defined as sin. You and I have to lift up the standard. And, you know, that's just part of the judgment. But there's some things you may want to hold back judging too quickly because you don't want to be in that crowd. Let it, let it come to fruition. Even the wheat and the tares. If we try to pluck up the tares... It's not going to work too well. In the harvest, God will come, and he'll gather all the tares in bundles. You know what he's going to do with them? He's going to burn them. And then he's going to gather all his wheat into barns, big buildings such like we're gathered in this morning. And then we talked about judgments based on the fear of God. And we talked about Felix. And Felix was a governor, a judge, who judged Paul based on his fear of man rather than the fear of God. And if I remember, we put all that together, and there were three things that Paul preached to Felix. Number one was righteousness, which is the standard. Number two was self-control, which was uh, the choices that we make, and then the judgment to come, which are the consequences of the choices that we make. And in that text, Felix, really he's never heard from after this. When he says, Paul, go away and I'll call you when I have a, you know, more convenient time or such. But we never hear from him again. And there's going to come 
a day where we're going to have to face and stand before God. Then there's the certainty of the judgments. Remember, the scripture says, fear God and give him glory for the hour of his judgments have come. And there will be an hour, there'll be a day, there'll be a moment when God, when that's it. Okay, that's it. Judgment day has come. How do you know that? Well, Revelation chapter 20, we talked about the great white throne judgment. How many of you are not going to be at the great white throne judgment? I'm not going to be there. But we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then there will be a day, though, where the books will be opened. And all the deeds that they have been recorded are going to be read. Things you thought nobody knew about. They're going to be shouted for everyone to know. Except for those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life. And the blood is covered. And then the, the last thing was the judgment on the cross. And we talked about that. And you have to have this as, the, as part of the foundation of your faith. Because today in America, there's a shaky doctrine that has totally eliminated the need for the cross. But you have to understand, Jesus took upon himself the full wrath of God on our behalf. And when you place your trust in him, Jesus experienced the judgment of God on the cross. He was put to death. But then with the keys, you know, he overcame and he rose. But there was a judgment that took place on the cross. Either you're going to be judged for your sin or you're going to let Jesus be judged and you're going to go free. It's one or the other. Now, the coming part three, and it's just going to take a few moments. Let's go back now to Luke and chapter 12. So there was, the, you know, the way the Bible looks at the coming, all the ways. Then there was the judgments in regarding to the coming And now, how are we to, you know, what are our lives to be like? What's what's to be going on in this? Because we know he's coming again. How many of you know he's coming? It's It's a great hope. I find many of those, they don't even talk about the coming of the Lord anymore. If you're not talking about the coming of the Lord, where's your, what in the world are you talking about? What do you think? Man's going to get all this figured out? Let me tell you, God's a little bigger. So how are we supposed to be living in this hour in which we're living? And the first thing is, Jesus, in verse 35, he says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. So in other words, let your lamp be burning. Now, if your lamp is to be burning, what must you have in your lamp? You must have oil in your lamp. And we know the parable, there were those who did not fill up their lamps with oil. Others, they took the time and they sought. They, were, they paid the price. The oil is very costly. It costs you everything to get that kind of oil. But you got to make sure your lamps are burning. I was thinking about that song this week we used to sing in Sunday school. You know, I've got oil in my lamp keep me burning. I've got oil in my lamp. I pray or put, give me oil in my lamp. I pray, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. You should have remembered that because the break of day is when the darkness begins to flee. So you and I, if we understand the word correctly, we're going to be on the earth 
during a time of some gross darkness. So how are you going to survive until the break of day? Have oil in your lamp. I was debating whether I should share this. I got plenty of time because I'm going to move quickly, but it was a dream that I had years ago, and in the dream, the lights had gone out in America. I'm just telling you, this is what I saw. I'm just reporting, okay? I'm not prophesying. I'm just reporting. And how did I know it was America? Because it was in a western town, a western, you know, I I saw the cowboy, you know, where they tie the horses on, what do you call the the posts, the hitching posts? You know, so I'm walking around in the dream, and the lights went out. And evidently it wasn't night yet, because I could still see, because I could see people that were leaning up against their door, and they were dead. There was death everywhere. People had died. And uh, so Shirley and I in the dream, I'm glad she was with me in my dream. It was really cool to have your wife with you in your dream. (laughs) You know what I mean? And uh, so anyway, we go into, we open the door, we go into our house. And the first thing I tell Shirley is, Shirley, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough food. But we sat down at this table and we had a candle that was lit, burning in the middle of the table. And I knew in my heart, in that dream, as long as this candle is burning, I got all I need. God is with me. And you know the scripture said, Jesus said, that if you trust in him, you follow him, though the whatever happens in the world, you will not be in darkness. You're going to have the light of life. You follow after him. He is the light of this world. And he's going to take care. I'm telling you, he's going to show himself strong. But you got to keep your lamp burning. Let it burn. Linda sent me a word from Stephen Powell. It was a word from 2022. And he said he saw this candlelight revival. Remember? And he saw candlelights all over America. And I believe that's, that's you and me. We're going to be the candlelight. We're going to be those that are lit in the midst of darkness And there's going to be a great move of the Spirit of God. We're going to be burning one way or the other. You know, right? You're going to burn up with all the stuff that's going to be burned up. Are you going to be set ablaze and on fire for Him? So I would vote vote that you be set ablaze for Him. That would bid you better than the other crowd. Does that make sense? Okay, the next thing, he says not only be burning, but be waiting. Verse 36, and you yourselves be like men who wait for the master. To wait means that you have an expectancy. That means you're welcoming, you're receiving, or you're opening the door. In fact, look in verse 36. He says, and you yourselves be like men who wait when he returned from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. How sad it would be for Jesus to come your way and knock on your door and you not let him in. And yet that's happening. And remember the church of Laodicea. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And why is he knocking? Because many have not let him in. And I believe right now the Lord's walking around nations. He's walking, knocking on the doors of families, of individuals, 
of states, governors' mansions right now. He's knocking on the door. He's saying, will you let me come in? If you let me in, I'll give you exactly what you need. And I'll be all that I am for you in this hour. And there are many that are opening up to him. I'm, it's happening. Many are opening. I, I pray for our governors. You don't know how much pressure there is on our governors to uh, comply with, with the, the mandates of the hour. But there are some that are going to stand. And they're going to open the door. And they're going to say, you come into my state, Jesus. And I believe they're going to see God do something that's just absolutely mind-boggling. It's going to be a paradox. And all that the enemy's intended for evil, God's going to use for good. And I pray that you'll open up your, your heart, your door. And then another thing is, is be watching, be waiting, be burning, be waiting, be watching. And that is in verse 37. If you're watching, it means to be awake, be attentive, you know, be vigilant, be on guard. Keep your watch. 38. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, so blessed are those servants, basically, who are watching. And so if there's ever been a time in history to be awake, it's now. This is not the time to be dozing, you know, falling asleep. You might not wake up, so it's better to stay awake in this hour. Watch with me, he said. Can you not watch for me for one hour? I do believe that there are two awakenings coming. You know what they are, right? A great awakening. What's the other one? A rude awakening. And I, it's going to happen. People, the Lord is not in any way going to just... He's not going to miss this hour that we've been summoned to. He's in the midst of the hour. He's the one doing the summing. And he's, the trumpet of the Lord is going to sound. And then in verse 42, you've got to be faithful. And who then is that faithful servant? Faithful means to be true, trustworthy, dependable, reliable. You know, the Lord will entrust the stewardship to those that have proven to be faithful to what he's given them. If you're faithful in what is little, then what will he give? He'll give you that which is much or more. To those that have more will be given to them. And that's what we are in ministry. We, you know, we are to, we're to, we've been given a steward. And one day I will give an account for how I, how I, what I did was I a faithful steward or was I unfaithful? And you're going to be held accountable for what God has, has given you as well. Now, how long should you be faithful? Until you can't stand it anymore? No. I, I know what. You're faithful as long as the people like you. Now, that ain't going to work. I can tell you that right now. You're faithful unto death. That's what Jesus said. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, he says, You be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And then the next thing is you're to be wise. you got to be wise. Okay, here's, here's how you preach it in South Louisiana language. Don't be stupid, fool. Don't be, don't be stupid, man. I'm just telling you that. Don't do stupid stuff.
you know, be wise as a serpent and harmless. Biggest snake I ever seen in my life. I was a little kid trouching around behind my house. We had this big lake in the swampy area. Now, you know, kids tend to exaggerate, but that snake was at least as long as that row. I'm just saying he was the biggest snake. I'm, no, I don't know. But to me, it was a gigantic snake. But even that snake, if I remember as a little kid, it startled me. But it got a, it, boy, it, it saw me, and it started moseying on out of the way pretty quickly into the swamp. I scared that big snake to death. Little me. You know, I remember. Wow. Man. Well, you know, you got to be wise. You got to be wise. You got to be wise. And that's why we're doing the things we're, we're doing. We want to be wise in this hour. You know, the biggest fools today are those. It's found in Psalm 14.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's the biggest fool. And then, you know, it's also pretty foolish to be trying to acquire all the riches of the world for yourself. It's really a foolish thing to do. There are those that remember the parable where they, they acquired all these riches, and so they ran out of room to store their riches. So they tore down their old barns and built new ones, gathered all the riches, and then he sat back said, now I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry, and enjoy my life. You know, there are literally people on the earth today that believe they're going to just acquire all the riches, and they're going to sit back. They've already got to figure it out how they're going to freeze themselves. Because I told you, I saw there's, there are websites. They're going to freeze themselves so that when certain cures are created... They're going to get unfrozen, I guess, and then fix them by the latest fixing. So they're going to have all this money. But you know what Jesus says in that parable? He says, you fool, this day your soul will be required of you. You're not going to live forever. You can acquire all the riches you want. But greater, blessed are those who are rich toward God. I'm telling you. You and I, the people of Uganda, they have discovered the riches of God, and they're way more rich. They've got way more money than those men who think they're acquiring all those riches today because they've found the riches in Christ Jesus, and that there'll be no comparison. So anyway, you don't want to be a fool. And then look in the, verse 43, a couple more things. You want to be a doer. Blessed is that servant. Whom his master will find so doing when he comes. You know, we are not to be hearers of the word only, right? We're to be what? Doers. Doers. Matthew 7, it's not those who, you know, they did all those wonderful things. But they did the will of God. And we want to do that which is the will of God. But we got to be a doer in this hour. Observing all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Because you know, all of us in this room, and all of you that are watching, you're going to be lined up into one of two categories. Either you're going to be about doing the will 
of your father, the devil, and you're going to resist all of those that do not cooperate with those who are doing the will of your father, or you're going to be doing the will of your father in heaven. One of the, you're only going to have one of two fathers. And we see this happening now. And, that, and you're, I'm telling you, you're going to see people get really angry. If you do not bow to the, who they have bowed to, they're going to get, come at you with a vengeance. And you're going to have to trust in your father to protect you and deliver you. And it's all true. It's all happening. You know, I, I, was, I told some of the men this week. We were sitting in prayer Monday morning, and we pray every Monday morning at 7.30. We just commit the week to the Lord, and we gather here, and we just pray. And uh, it just hit me, I thought, and I felt like the Lord asked me the question, what is it that will overcome the spirit of Antichrist? And so I put my thinking cap on. Hmm, what do you think about that, Lord? You know, when the Lord asks you a question, it's because he has the answer. And so he's asked, he's looking for, not that he's looking for information, because you, you can tell him something he didn't know. That's not, that's not why he's asking you a question. He's asking you a question to, so that you will agree with what he already knows. And so I, I, okay, Lord, what is the answer to the spirit of Antichrist? You know what he said? It is so simple. He said, the answer to the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ who lives inside of you. God, that's really complex. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ, the anointed. He's the answer to the spirit of Antichrist. Now, you and I, we just got to let our light so shine, and we got to be salt in the earth. You got to be standing your guard, standing your watch. You've been given a watch. You don't retreat because it's getting uncomfortable. You hold the ground. God gave you that ground. You don't retreat before the enemies of the cross. You stand firm, and you'll see that your God is greater. Give him the opportunity to prove himself, and he will. You know, um, there's another song that came to my mind. When he walks into this room, everything changes. Remember that? Darkness starts to tremble. Sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. Everything changes. That's what I'm looking for right now. I know the Lord is among us. There's no way we could gotten to where... It's not even possible. I know He's... But I know there's something happens when the Lord walks in the room. There's something happens when the Lord walks in the radio station. Something happens. It's unexplainable. People begin to weep. They come out of the woodworks. The news of what God is doing shouted all through the land. And I'm looking for that. I'm expecting that. I'm, I have great, I have far more confidence in the Lord that's coming than the Antichrist that thinks he's coming. And I know that he is, but I know that my God is coming. And my God is greater. And then we got to be prepared. Verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will. And so we got to be prepared. 
you got to have your wedding garments on. I was going to go into that, but I'm going to wait, save that for another day. Maybe there'll be a coming part four. Do you remember the time when Jesus, well, is telling a story about there's a great wedding feast, and they're getting ready and all, and there's a man out there he doesn't have on his wedding garments. And the master says, how did you get in here? And he doesn't remain in there. But anyway, you've got to have on your wedding garment. Now, I'm, I know your wedding garment is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're washed by the blood of the Lamb. But I think also we've got to be prepared and be ready. We've got to be actively doing the will of God. And then the last thing in verse 40, be ready. Therefore, you also be ready. Say, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And he's coming. And I just want to pray right now. I, I just, I'm not exactly sure how to wrap this up except to give you, those of you online, an opportunity to receive the Lord. But also, we want to pray for the sick this morning. Can I tell you, it was confirmed earlier. A prophetic word was spoken. There's the power of the Lord is present to heal. Now, either we're going to believe that or we're not. I believe the power of the Lord is present to heal at the gathering in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. And if you're facing something because you were stupid or you were deceived or you were tricked, you can come and Jesus has the antidote. God has the answer. And I believe we're going to see healings. We're going to see the Lord and the works of God are going to be revealed. So I want some of our guys to come. We're going to pray for people this morning around the altar. Just pray if you have a sickness, you have a disease that you're battling the power of the Lord is present to heal so I want to just pray Lord I thank you for this morning God I thank you for your goodness Lord as we were singing this morning about the goodness of the Lord God I thank you you are a good 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 God and I thank you that healing belongs to the children it's the children's bread and I thank you God nothing is impossible and Lord, I thank you for what the enemy has intended for evil. You intend to use for your good. And I thank you, God, that you're the one that can turn the switch. You can flip it all around, Lord. And these things, it's not whether someone sinned or their grandparents or they, their parents. It's so that the works of God would be revealed. And I pray, Lord, that the works of God would be revealed in this place and online right now. God, I pray for a mighty anointing to destroy works of darkness. Lord, I ask you to reverse what men have intended for evil. We break the power of that right now in Jesus' name, and we pray for divine reversal. And God, we ask you to rise up and be shown strong in this hour. Because we serve a mighty God who can do mighty things and of whom it's nothing is impossible with him. And so I thank you for it. And I release that anointing in this room in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus. I want to just pray for those watching online. If you're in this room, you don't know Jesus, just real quick. Just you say, I want to know him. Say, dear God, I believe in you. And I, I confess my need of Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. He died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I need you, Jesus. Cleanse me. Forgive me. I put my trust in the blood that was shed and in your resurrection. And I thank you that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that, you contact us, send us an email. Those of you watching by Eternal Life Television, just send us some kind of context. Say, this is where I'm watching from, and I chose to follow Jesus. Amen.